The following episode of Life in Quarantine podcast contains strong language and heavy themes. If you're not into that, please don't listen to this episode. You have been warned. Breathing. The most basic human action. Much like the coronavirus pandemic that obstructed so many Americans from breathing and took their lives. There is another issue that is taking the lives of so many black Americans. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Those were some of the last words spoken by George Floyd. While he lay coughing and dying as a white officer obstructed his breathing. This is not the first time. But we hope with your help that this will be the last. The team that produces Life in Quarantine podcast felt that it was necessary to start this episode differently and address the recent display of social injustice and racism that occurred in Minneapolis. Even in a time of worldwide pandemic, it seems that the forces of evil and racism cannot be stopped. We mourn the unnecessary death of George Floyd. We mourn for the 38 million African Americans who are dealing with the unjust reality that racism still runs rampant in our country. We want to show our support the only way we know how. Using our platform to share petitions and organizations in the fight against social injustice. If we don't speak up, who Who will? will? We've created a collection of links that you can find in our social media bios. In the description of this episode. And at lnk.bio slash lifeinq to help show support in the movement to find justice for the death of George Floyd. Thank you. From the studios of Meme and Pod, housed in the Department of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Memphis, this is Life in Quarantine. Welcome to this week's episode of Life in Quarantine podcast. I'm your host, Kix Patterson. And I'm also your host, Katrina Smith. And this episode is kind of a bonus episode as we wrap up our season. And I thought that me and Kix could start the way we, or end the way we started, with basically us just kind of wrapping up how we feel, what we've learned, and some of our experiences that we've gained from, you know, this traumatic experience trying to find the silver lining. So I guess I'll start. And for me, I have learned um, basically to not take life for granted that everything that you plan can be replanned. So I guess for me, I wasn't one before this. I always used to say, I'm not, I don't adapt to change. Well, like if I have a schedule, if I have something like set in place, I wanted to go as planned. And with this happening and our whole, the whole world basically being affected, I definitely have learned that I can adapt to change. I can, you know, go off the cuff. I know, um, even for me, I'm going to tell myself a little bit when we first started, you know, the season, it was so hard for me, for me and kicks to just have like a conversation. Cause I was like, Oh my God, like I have to have something written. But now as these weeks have passed and, you know, as we've, grown, I've learned that I can adapt. I can, you know, go off the fly. I can be able to 
adjust to any situation. And I've also learned just to cherish the moment, you know, cherish what you have. You know, uh, I see a lot of people on social media that talk about their the memes that they see where they will no longer say, oh my God, I'm so tired. To, I can't go out with my friends, but I'm definitely going to cherish the moment. If someone wants to go grab drinks or go grab some food, I'm definitely going to go because you never know when you, <laughs> when you may end up being in a situation where you can't go out and you're just going from, as the song would say, the window to the wall because there's nothing to do. <laughs> what about you, Kick? <laughs> that is very, very, a very good analogy there, Katrina. Uh, uh, yeah, I have to, uh, I have to agree. And, and I do want to say I am very proud of Trina. Um, she really has grown. I can see it. Um, I think she's become an even better journalist from this being, she's kind of got comfortable in her own skin and she's able to, to present information on the fly now. I think she'll do amazing in any kind of news she works in. Um, but also too, for me, you know, a lot of, I work um, kind of in the more of the entertainment side of media. Um, but this has allowed me not only to kind of put a foot into doing news, um, but I actually spun off from this. Uh, I'm doing a local version of this podcast um, on a local radio station where we're bringing in professionals and talking about, um, you know, what's going on in our city, in our county, back in Tishomingo, where I'm from. And so it kind of gave me the, uh, the courage to be willing to step up and be the media person I needed to be. Um, and so I really appreciate that. And also, you know, I agree with Katrina, you know, I'm the kind of person where like I have a very low social battery. I can only go out every once in a while, but she's fully charged up and ready to go for like three weeks of nonstop partying. <laughs> so we're going to have some fun when this is done. Katrina, you and I are definitely going to go get some food and drinks when this is done because I need to see you. <laughs> Katrina and I see each other every single day, um, a couple times a day, honestly. Yeah. And now we've not seen each other in, let's see here, we're approaching what, 10 weeks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 10 weeks. Yes, definitely. Since before spring So it's break. been a yeah. long time. I mean, again, every day we saw each other, we had classes together, we were working on something together. And now all we do is uh, connect through our little Zencaster thing and, and take care of things and text each other. So definitely going to need to do a meet, meet up when this is all over and better. Um, and, you know, this podcast, I think, too, is uh, really an ultimate an ultimate thing for our undergrads too. I don't want to leave them out of the conversation because they all really had to shift very quickly from creating their own podcast to creating segments for a podcast we're all working on together. And I'm so proud. They did so good. Like uh, we really didn't have a whole lot of problems for the most part. Like people, a lot of them follow the rules very, very well. We said we wanted very basic things and they returned with sometimes they came in with, with, quotes and with sound bites that we weren't expecting some of them so impactful um and so i want to say thank you to our undergrads who've been helping us on this project because y'all are awesome you make these episodes possible and um we can't thank you enough for this um please 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 promote yourselves with this podcast you show people what you help create because i mean, katrina and i put it together but we wouldn't be able to do it without all their their audio um and so I'm, I'm so proud to get to showcase these young talented journalists and they're not aspiring journalists they are journalists they've done the work of a journalist now um and so very proud of them hope this helps them get better and better careers and better better skills um anything else you want to add to that katrina before we kind of go back into our scheduled programming and chat a little bit about what's going on for the last time 
I think that's it. Like you said, I thank them for being very flexible. When I reached out, even after school was over, they were willing to go back in and re-record some things. So I just really appreciate you, as you said, because we put it, put it together at the end, but they definitely made it happen. So, and it was very short turnaround. I mean, their deadlines were kind of back to back. So like I said, I appreciate you and I hope that y'all have, you know, a great, you know, summer. And I really hope that we're able to all come together in the fall, you know, that this is kind of died down and everybody get a chance to, especially for me to really enjoy our last semester as a University of Memphis student. So yeah, back to you kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll throw it right back to you. Uh, Katrina, again, thank you for working with me on this project. It's been an honor. Thank you to uh, Robbie Bird, who is our uh, teacher, faculty advisor for our podcast and is our executive producer. He's been there every step of the way, making sure that we're taken care of and helped out in all the way. So thank you to Robbie for that. So now that we've gotten all of our mushy, mushy things out of the way, uh, Katrina, let's one more time talk about what's going on around the world and here at home. Take it away. Thanks, Kicks. According to CNN, more than 5.4 million cases of COVID-19 have been reported worldwide, and there have been at least 346,000 deaths, according to Johns Hopkins University. Nearly 100,000 people have died in the U.S. since the start of the coronavirus pandemic. Top infectious disease experts said it's conceivable the U.S. could have a coronavirus vaccine by December. The New York Stock Exchange opened its floor this morning after months of electronic-only trading. The U.S. has suspended entry for anyone who has been to Brazil in the previous 14 days as the number of cases in the country spike. Vice President Mike Pence, Press Secretary Katie Miller, has returned to work after testing positive for COVID-19 earlier this month. Now for some local stats to you kicks. Thanks, Katrina. According to the Daily Memphian, Shelby County's COVID-19 new case count rose to 127, Tuesday, May 27th, but coincided with the second highest reported daily testing total to this point, according to the Shelby County Health Department data released on Tuesday. This is the fifth time in eight days Shelby County has reported at least 100 new coronavirus cases. The average is about 96 new cases a day as testing numbers over the same eight-day period is 1,407. Positivity rate over the eight days of data is 6.8% and helped lower the total rate from 7.1% to 6.8%. On testing, Shelby County reached the 2,000 mark for only the second time since it began tracing the pandemic in early March. The 2,107 tests reported on Tuesday is only bettered by the 2,000 2,615 confirmed on May 19th. While testing numbers increased, it's still short of the county's goal to test 2,400 people a day. The daily positivity rate of the 2,107 test was 6% and helped stabilize the overall rate of 6.8%. Health officials want to keep the positive rate below 10% as a sign of less community transmission of the disease. Shelby County confirmed 4,513 coronavirus cases, 94 deaths, and 3,047 recoveries as of Tuesday, according to Health Department data. A total of 66,968 tests were conducted with a positivity rate of 6.8%. The State Health Department shows 20,607 confirmed coronavirus cases, 338 deaths, and 13,073 recoveries as of Monday, a total of 396,219 COVID-19 tests were administered statewide. 
there is no word on how this will affect phase three of the economy reopening. And now that we've heard what's going on around the world and here at home, it's time to go to the front lines with our underground reporters. Here's what you're going to hear today. Managers say, hey, we actually close tomorrow. So um, you're welcome to come get some things, but we're going to be closed tomorrow until I don't know. And so at that point, I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. I'm, you know, I knew it was going to come to this point. So cool. I still have checks coming from my previous week, so I'm good. Then I heard from my boss um, for the first time two days ago. He called me and he said that he would not be able to run his business. Our first story comes from Ivana Swan. She sat down with esthetician Amara as she spoke about how COVID-19 has affected her business with salons being closed and how she has used this time to hone her craft. Thanks, Katrina. Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Life in Quarantine. I'm Ivana Swan, and I'm here with... Pink Nunchucks, also known as Nancha Amara, also known as the Skin Healer. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, well, you're so very welcome. So um, how about we start with where you're from and what type of business you're in? Okay, I am from Memphis, Tennessee. Right now I live, well, not really right now, I plan to stay here, but I live in Florida. Um, I am a multi-business. I have an aesthetics business. Um, I'm a skincare professional. I do waxing, facials, back facials, skin therapy, regular therapy. I also do um, intentional jewelry design. I work with crystals and different healing elements from nature. Okay, okay. So uh, what made you wanting to get into the business of aesthetics? Um, I know you have always been into uh beauty, cosmetics, but what made you specifically want to get your uh, esthetician license? In college, I just had the people that I was close to, um, they just recommended it, really. They were like, you know, you'd be really good in aesthetics and you should do, why don't you do makeup professionally and why don't you do this? And I had a lot of um, my friends and family wanting me to do these services for them personally, um, and I was. But at some point, I just figured this is this is in alignment with me and my spirit. So I might as well just get a license and do it. Okay. What do you like about your job the best as far as um, do you like the aspect of helping others, making other people feel good about themselves? Like what drives you to do this every day yeah helping people that's what drives me because seeing people's faces after getting a facial or just getting some information about exfoliation that they had no idea about how their whole spirit changes because i was i i can understand and um sympathize with um people with problem skin because i got problem skin and i've had problem skin forever so it's I know the feeling of, you know, getting help. And so, yeah, I guess that's my main goal is to help people. If that makes okay. sense. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. I like that. I understand. So um, for 
a normal work day, what would that look like from just the, the time you get up and getting ready for work? What would a normal work day look like for you? Um, well, a normal day for me would just be getting to the shop probably an hour, the spa, excuse me, <laughs> probably an hour um, before my first appointment, setting up, doing towels, um, wedding towels, putting them in the towel warmer, getting all my machines turned on, cleaning everything before I start my surfaces, making my bed, all of that. And then my clients come through. And after that, I take an hour, you know, to unpack, to clean everything after the end of the day, whatever, you know, and then I'm home. Okay. As far as a payroll or cash flow, were you freelance or were you contracted with someone? Like, how did that work out? When I was in Memphis, I was freelance. I was making my own prices. I was sharing a room with um, another esthetician who, you know, really helped me. She introduced me to my product line that I use now. Um, She was like a mentor. So I was sharing a room with her. I didn't have to pay any booth rent. I didn't have to pay anything. And like I said, I set my own prices. I controlled everything. So I was freelance. Mm. Okay. So uh, when you moved to Florida, what changed? As far as uh, were you still freelance or were you with a company? When I moved to Florida, I I was commissioned with a a spa. Okay. So um, in the midst of COVID-19... Um, how were have you been you or your business been directly affected by it? It's been absolutely affected. Um, my birthday was March twenty third. Um, my last day of work was that was on a Monday. My last day of work before I took off for my birthday vacation. It was that Friday. That might have been the nineteenth, maybe. Um, but it was that Friday. And so I'm, you know, packing up, finna go out of town. And I get an email from my um, manager saying, hey, we actually close tomorrow. So um, you're welcome to come get some things, but we gonna be closed tomorrow until I don't know. And so at that point, I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. I'm, you know, I knew it was gonna come to this point, so cool. I still have checks coming from my previous week, so I'm good. So, and I'm patient. I'm cool with that. Like I said, I go with spirit. So I'm like, okay, if I need this break, I need this break. I can tighten up on my skills, my technique. Yeah. So then I heard from my boss um, for the first time two days ago. He called me um, and he said that he would not be able to run his business anymore because like I said, I was working under or in within a spa. Um, They were already a brand themselves though. Mm -hmm. So, and he was like, I, I'm not going to be able to keep this business um, because how much it would cost or whatever expense wise after this would be way too much for what it's worth. Like we can't even have a receptionist anymore because that, 
defeats the whole purpose of cleanliness. Like we don't need a waiting room because there are too many people sitting close together in one space. And that's, you know, nobody's going to do that post Corona. So that completely obliterates the idea of a receptionist and a reception um, space. So really we're just individual businesses now. So he said, you know, um, I'm willing to work with you as he always has. That's why I love them. Um, we're willing to work with you if you would like to run your individual business here, but we can't carry on as a community business anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why don't you think that uh, he believes businesses or people would not want to return with the same type of style that the spa uh, has always been run as far as not having a receptionist anymore or uh, all that good stuff? It doesn't seem that things would particularly go back to normal after this um, after this uh, economy opens back up. Oh, absolutely not. Um, you know, I I don't know. Of course, he didn't tell me all the major details, but from what he told me and what I do know, he wants to make it very apparent that we are practicing safe. Um, practices and being as clean as possible. Like he wants people, all of our clients to see that. He wants them to see us cleaning. And I do feel like half and half being here in Florida, because as we've seen just in the COVID reports, a lot of people here don't give a fuck. So they're still out doing whatever. And so I do judge a lot of the population that come back the client population that come back will be, um, you know, oh, we don't care about that. Just I need my facial. I need my massage. I need all of this. Just get it done. But then also, I know some of my specific clients, but I know the other population of people are going to be like, eh, mm, I don't know if I should because you know, we need to stay six feet away from each other. And how can I do that if you're giving me a massage? There, w- I think it's going to be half and half. People are going to be worried. People, Some people are not going to care. Me personally, um, I just, it's not going to go away in 30 days. And it logically, it just makes sense that we stayed in the house in April and now everything's going to open up in May. Everything that declined and healed itself and everything that, you know, turned a new leaf is, I judge, not hoping that this is going to happen, but logically is going to come right back because everybody's going to just run out and, you know, think things are normal. I don't think it's going to be normal. I think that precautions still need to be made. Me personally, my boss said that he could see us coming back to work within, you know, the next couple weeks. But I don't know about that for myself. So when the economy does uh, open up, do you believe that business, your, the spa in particular, um, you think it'll be crowded with people trying to get their appointments in or do you think it'll be slow to start back up? Oh, I don't think it's going to be slow at all. I'm If I check my books right now, it's probably booked for the month of May. The rush before all of this um, was 
people were coming in every day, all day. So the people that have missed their time on top of the people who now realize, wow, I've been in the house for a month and I didn't realize how much I might want a facial or might want a massage or something. People who don't usually get it or whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be them, like... I think it's going to be a huge rush. I think all businesses, honestly, are going to experience a huge fluctuation. But I just fear that that's going to come crashing down again. We've seen it in China's news. They had a second wave. You know what I'm saying? I just want people to be smart. That's all. Yeah, for sure. So in with that being said, um, would you rather have a um, schedule full of appointments um, or would you rather people just decide to still stay at home even though your particular business might suffer from it uh, at the time you would still rather um, people be safe and until this disease is um, calmed down completely before it uh, they come to you or is it more so of a, oh I'll just wear my mask and be careful it's kind of a mix between both because like the business woman in me is like that's my money like exactly. but the logical human part of me and the business woman because I gotta be safe and clean is like you know I'd be comfortable coming back to work after May, personally, if I'm being real honest. Um, but if I had, I don't even know what, my thing is, I don't even know what safety precautions look like for me as an institution right now. Like, I don't, using gloves, yes, but I'm still all up in people's face. I'm still all exactly. up in people's body. So, and that's the, that's a direct you know, way to transfer, you know. And so I don't know what safety looks like. If I can get an idea of that and it actually do something, um, then I'd be willing to consider it. So, okay. So um, in the midst of COVID-19 and while you've had time to be at home and reflect on just your business, um, have you thought of any uh, plan B's um, just in case you were not able to come back to work um, to the spa? Oh, yeah. You always got to stay steps ahead. But as far as aesthetics, where I really see myself is doing mobile and personal um, services, like I said, in the entertainment industry or what have you, um, being commissioned to do sets. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and so my second choice would just be going mobile so I wouldn't have to be in a actual space. I could just go to people's, the privacy of their spaces, whether that's at home, work, whatever. But at the same time, I'm like, hmm, I still don't know where these people have been and who they've been in contact with and all this. So even though I may be good, I don't know about everybody and I kind of feel like it's defeating the purpose of not being in a brick and mortar and being um, safe but I don't know 
I don't know. That's where I feel like I'm at. I don't fucking know because I don't know what's going on. I don't have yeah. any, any um, advancement on what may be going on. I'm just watching day by day. At this point, we're just playing everything by ear. Yeah. And it's just been a hard time on everyone. This is also, I've seen a lot of people do, is just find a way to turn this around in some form. Um, so I want everyone to follow Miss Amara's page, uh, her business page. Miss um, Amara, if you don't mind uh, telling the people what your uh, Instagram, your Instagram handle. Yes, absolutely. My aesthetics business, Amara Skin and Beauty. A-M-A-R-A, Skin and Beauty. Well, thank you for joining us today. We really enjoyed you. And hopefully when this passes, you'll get all the businesses, do all the facials, all that. Thank you, Havana, for having me. And I wish the same on you. May your future blossom post-corona and everyone who's listening. We got this. Back to you, Katrina. Thank you, Havana. That was a very insightful interview. More stories when we come back. Life in quarantine. Yeah, I think it was uh, when this whole COVID-19 started, it kind of, it was really frustrating to start. Uh, you know, they kind of, they put a hold on our season. We were doing great. Uh, started eight and now so it's we kind of we've kind of felt like we came out firing uh the way we wanted to and everything was kind of falling our way and we were doing everything right so uh i feel like it kind of took away a, a great thing we had going there welcome back now we will hear from trip vistica as he sat down with avery hastings a cbhs baseball player he spoke about how COVID-19 affected his life as a senior and his last semester of playing high school baseball. Trip. Thank you, Kicks. I'm talking with Avery Hastings, a senior baseball player from Christian Brothers High School. So, Avery, what position or positions do you play? I play third base and pitcher primarily. Do you prefer pitching or playing the field? Uh, it kind of goes back and forth throughout the season. Uh, you know, I might be hitting really well one week and I might be fielding everything at third base. Great one week. And uh, and so that week I want to be over there at third base every single day and hitting in the lineup every day. But then other weeks I'll be just on fire on the mound, feeling great, uh, really confident up there uh, pitching. So it kind of goes back and forth, uh, kind of depending on how well I'm doing at each spot. So I'd say it goes back and forth throughout the year. What's your win-loss record as a pitcher? Uh, junior year, which was last season, uh, I ended the year 11-3, and three, I believe. And this year, with the uh, two games I pitched, one went undecided and the other one went 1-0 my way. So last two years, uh, right around 12-3, and three, but there could be a few I'm missing in there. Where are you slated to bat in the lineup? Uh, freshman year, it was kind of lower in the lineup just because, you know, I'm kind of a younger guy. I'm not hitting as well. The game speed's kind of quicker than what I was used to growing up. So 
freshman year, it was kind of nine hole, eight hole, just bottom of the lineup. And then uh, as I grew older, uh, kind of caught up with the game and everything, um, I'd move up in the lineup. And so last year I batted five hole and then maybe three hole every now and then. But then towards the end of the year, we kind of found a good spot for me uh, while uh, while we were going into the tournament and everything, they put me at uh, the two spot in the batting lineup. And it was kind of like a strategic move because uh, we had a really fast leadoff hitter who was getting on base a lot. So he'd get on base and I'd come up as a lefty and I could lay down a drag bunt and get down the line really quick and maybe start the inning off with that. Or if we wanted to give a little hit and run and I could pull a, pull a ball down right field line or in the maybe in the four hole. And then, uh, and then also, if none of that was going on, we just wanted to steal a base. It was a great advantage because the catcher couldn't see the runners taken off as soon as, uh, as soon as they start their running. So it was just kind of a strategic move, and uh, I was hitting well enough to be able to fill that spot. So I ended up batting two hole last year. Do you think playing for head coach Buster Kelso has helped your development for the game? One hundred percent. You know, coming in freshman year. Uh, you kind of realize pretty quickly Coach Kelso is more of an old school coach. Uh, he's been around for a while, but he knows exactly what he's doing. And, uh, you know, he'll make you work really hard, but that makes you a better ball player. And uh, over the last four years, I think I've matured as a baseball player and and grown to be, you know, as good as I could be within my high school years. So, yes, I think it's been one of the best uh, best choices I made to come play for Coach Kelso. And, uh, yeah, I don't regret a single minute of it. Can you describe how the coronavirus outbreak has impacted baseball for you? Yeah, I think it was, uh, when this whole COVID-19 started, it kind of, it was really frustrating to start. Uh, you know, they kind of, they put a hold on our season. We were doing great, uh, started eight and no. So it's, we kind of, we've kind of felt like we came out firing uh, the way we wanted to and everything was kind of falling our way and we were doing everything right. So uh, I feel like it kind of took away a, a great thing we had going there. But, uh, but I think it's kind of taught me to uh, work harder actually, because we've got, you know, we can't use the facilities. We can't go up to the field or anything. So we've kind of all learned to make use of our own, you know, our own facilities that we have laying around the house. So like we don't have weight, weight rooms or anything over here. So like, you're just going back to doing push-ups, sit-ups, whatever you can around the house. Uh, but then we got some baseball drills that we can do in our backyard. So I'm lucky enough to have the room in my backyard to where I have a net set up where I can hit baseballs into it. So, uh, after online school every day, I've kind of got a routine going to where I'll go out there, put a ball on the tee and I'll get about 50 to hundred swings in every day, just staying at it, staying loose. And then uh, I've got a couple neighbors, like I said, uh, JT Durham and his brother Chris Durham, who pitches at Memphis, uh, who are still playing and everything. So I've got a couple of neighbors that can help me out. I'll throw with them. Me and JT were texting earlier today about throwing the baseball around later. So, uh, you know, we're kind of making do with what we've got. And I think it's really uh, really opening our, opening our eyes to what we can do without these great facilities that we're used to. What were your plans for your senior season in baseball at CBHS before the outbreak? Yeah, as a uh, as a team and as a program, we were you know we came runner up last year, lost to a good team in the state championship, and so we knew we could uh, follow up and do some great things this year. And uh, 
I think we worked harder than we've ever worked before. Um, leading up to this, we had some great motivation, great coaching with uh, Coach Jason Mott coming in as a pitching coach and uh, showing us a bunch of new things and just turning everyone into you know the best ball player they could be. And uh, so leading up to the year, we were all working extremely hard. And, uh, you know, our, our goal was to win a state championship. And uh, like I said, we started off the year 8-0. and we were, Everything was kind of going our way. So uh, I think we were on track to that. But sadly, it was cut short. But I think we did everything we could. And I think we were all really happy with, with the games we did play. Were you being recruited by anyone heading into your senior season at CBHS, Avery? Uh, yeah, going into this year, uh, I had talked with some colleges and uh, around this area, and I'd gone to a few camps and everything, kind of trying to get my name out there and show everyone what I can do. Um, you know, one of my top choices is the University of Memphis, so it's uh, so thank you for having me on, being able to talk to everybody here. Um, but yeah, I've been in contact with the University of Memphis for uh, for a little while now. Uh, going into the summer, I, I really wanted them to see what I could do on the field. And so uh, I've been in contact with Coach Clayton Green quite a bit, emailing, uh, just kind of keeping him up to date with what I'm doing and um, just getting my name out there and showing him what I can do. All right, so the University of Memphis is your top choice. Former St. Louis Cardinals closing pitcher and 2011 World Series champion Jason Mott coached for the Memphis Tigers last season. How has having Jason Mott as a coach at Christian Brothers helped you as a pitcher as well as an all-around ball player? Um, yeah, it's been a huge help. Uh, I mean, I was kind of, when we first met and we were told that he was going to be our coach this year, we were like, we were all kind of starstruck by it. Like, all of us were like, we all remember watching him pitch in the World Series and getting the last out of the thing and everyone dogpiling on him. And now he's standing in our locker room showing us how to pitch a little bit. And so it was all kind of like, is this real life kind of moment? But, um, you know, he ended up being uh, an amazing coach. And, uh, you know, you know, he's got so much experience and he's been through so much uh, in his lifetime and his career and everything. So to be able to just like pick his brain and ask him questions and everything, whether it's baseball, life, or just anything, uh, it's been a blessing. And so I've taken advantage of that. He's shown me a lot of great things, great tips while I'm out there pitching. And, uh, and uh, he's just been a huge help and just couldn't ask for a better co coach to come in my senior year and help me out. Is there anything you would like to add or say to our interview, Avery? Uh, it's, yeah, it's a little off of the baseball topic, but, um, you know, with everyone that's kind of gotten something taken away from them, whether it be like a baseball season or just maybe some opportunities in your life that you were really looking forward to. Uh, there's kind of a saying that's kind of kept me positive and kept me going through this entire uh, debacle that's going around in our world right now. And uh, that saying is, don't be sad it's over, be happy it happened. And you know, I've kind of just taken that to heart lately, especially with the entire situation that we're going through and uh, losing this year's baseball season, everything, you know, keep y'all's heads up, you know, stay positive as much as you can. Uh, I think this entire uh, COVID issue with all of us having to stay inside and kind of work from home and do everything from your own house, I think everything's gonna end up okay. I think we're all gonna come out stronger and uh, better people. And uh, I can't wait to see all my friends again. That's all I got. 
thank you for your time, Avery. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I hope to see you in the Memphis Tiger dugout next season. Back to you, Kicks. Thanks, Trip. And that wraps up the final episode of Life in Quarantine podcast. Life in Quarantine is a production of Meme Pod Studios, housed in the Department of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Memphis. This podcast is produced by Katrina Smith and me, Kix Patterson. Thank you to this week's reporters, Ivana Swan and Trip Vistica. A special thanks to our executive producer, Dr. Robbie Bird, for all of his help and support during the production. Check out our social media platforms at Life in Q Podcast. And don't forget to check out our website to find out more about what we're doing, meet the team and listen to the freshest episode at liqpod.com. Thanks for joining us.